0: Father, show us, uh, Lord, where we can help them. Uh, God, let us be your hands and feet in this moment uh, as you desire, God. Uh, Father, we're available and we're open, God. Father, send us people to pray for. uh, Send us people to walk with God. Father, we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, next Wednesday, yes, it begins this whole new chapter, right? 2019 is gone. 2020 begins. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I've spent a lot of time in the Book of Exodus lately, and I'm kind of reminded, uh, you know, about Moses. He really had no clue from year to year when the wilderness would end and when the promise would begin. Right? He just kept traveling with the Lord, and I, and I want to say, like, I have all these plans for next year, for 2020. But the truth is, what I really want is just to. I want to simplify that to just this. I just want to trust the Lord, right? And I just want to follow. Uh, Jesus. That's all I really want to do. And maybe more than anything, I just I want to finish strong. That's important to me that, we, that I finish strong and I finish well uh, with Him. And, and I, I know like as we approach New Year, like we all have plans. I know that I have plans for next year. I'll talk about those things uh, later. Uh, I have them for my own life, personal things. I have plans that I would like to see done in this church. But at the end of the day, I just want to go where He says to go say what He says for me to say, right? And do what He tells me to do so that I can live like Jesus, I can be like Christ. But here's the thing, as, as we approach this new year, okay? I'm reminded of two things. One, our ability to manufacture new goals for ourselves. That's without a doubt, we do that every year. We always put together this list of things we wanna do in a new year, right? But the other thing that I also know is life's ability to produce unforeseen circumstances that tend to put our goals on, her, on hold, or worse, they just simply disappear. Right? not trying to start this year off uh, without optimism. I'm extremely optimistic. However, I'm also preparing myself for all the hidden obstacles that tend to confront us, like in the middle of our journeys, right? In front of every goal or every dream are obstacles, hands down. Go watch any sports A person's life, biography, go watch anybody who's achieved anything in their life And they've had obstacles in their way to get where they're going to get These obstacles and how we deal with them will ultimately decide how far we go And what we're actually capable of achieving Now, like every new year, right? People start off with weight loss goals at the beginning of a new year, right? To only quit a few months later Uh, Attendance in churches right now across the nation are going to be growing right now. It's the beginning of a new year. It, it goes up, but it slowly declines as the year goes on, okay? We have great intentions. In the beginning of any endeavor, we, we start, right? But it's how we finish that really defines us, and I think we forget that part of our life. I think we do. Our excuses will always earn us grace with those who love us, right? That's why we don't feel the weight of failure as bad, right? Um, but our lack of accomplishing the very goals we set for ourselves does do damage to our psyche, whether we admit it or not, okay? Uh, Until we eventually just become used to failing all the time. And that's not a good place to be. Right, This eventually leads us into like a bitter relationship with success, with failure, and even how we look at life or how we approach it. It determines whether we 're optimistic or we 're pessimistic right? I mean you know people that see success from time to time they tend to be more optimistic than people who meet failure all the time. Uh, um, uh, there was this book that I was checking out as I was you know getting ready to put all this together. It was called go the distance it 's written by a pastor named Ed Rawell. Uh, uh, who emphasizes the importance of uh, finishing uh, a race well, and he he tells kind of this little story about himself, uh, uh, and this is the one that I guess grabbed my attention. He had completed uh, uh, four marathons in one year, completed, them, right? and and uh, so he wasn't concerned with finishing a race. He obviously could finish a race. What he was concerned with was improving, his time and his main goal what he was working his way up to was the boston marathon now to do that to compete in the boston marathon he was going to have to get his time under three hours and 10 minutes that's ridiculous by the way 26 over 26 miles in three hours and 10 minutes like that'd be like how far would you make it in three hours i'd make it about four miles right uh uh but that would be like nine minutes better than his personal best. So, like, that's a big jump. Nine minutes is a big jump, right? He, I mean, the guy was in great shape. And for the past, uh, for that three months prior, he, he got up every morning and he ran. He ran through fatigue. He pushed himself into this condition, this great condition. And, and at the starting light, here, here was the problem that he encountered. He was cold, right? It's Boston, man. Come on. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's like between the 40s and 50s, there's this light. Drizzle uh, happening, uh, but he was like, you know what? It'll it'll benefit me because once I start running, I'm going to be sweating. Uh, uh, that's going to work towards my favor, and this will help me like feel really good as I'm trying to really get to that time. and And I'm going to read right here from the book, so you kind of get this idea of what's actually happening. He says, when the gun sounded that early October morning in 1983 in Kansas City, Missouri, Ed had no idea how much the race was going to impact his life. He started well, but as As he did a self-assessment early into the race, he was surprised at how much he was laboring. Using mind over matter, he purposed himself to go on, right? Good stuff, right? Not only had he been training his body, he had practiced mental conditioning techniques to help him push through that wall, that mental barrier that tells us the runner can't take another step. But by mile 12, his will had evaporated. He stopped running and he started walking. After 100 yards, he ran again, but it didn't last. Like a jerking clutch, he walked a a while and then ran a while. Then it happened. Hypothermia began to set in. The constant drizzle and the low temperature are to a runner's advantage because it alleviates the problem of dehydration that hot weather runners face. But it isn't the advantage of a walker. That's important because he was generating... He wasn't generating sufficient body heat to offset the environment. The race organizers, they had vans circling the course, looking for runners who were injured or ill-prepared for the race. Twice one of those vehicles stopped to see if he wanted to ride to finish line. Twice he ignored them, started to jog. Third time he came by, he was shivering so uncontrollably that he shook his head no. When the van stopped to pick him up, said, listen, we've got warm blankets and hot chocolate. So he got into the van and immediately began crying. It was a defining moment in his life. He was ashamed when he met up with his friends who finished the race and had to tell him what happened. Why did it happen? Who knows? He says he wasn't even sure of himself, He says, he has, he says but he had an idea. I think it happened because he took finishing the race for granted. He was concentrating on a time and not the finish line. I think that's important took finishing for granted. This morning I want to walk you through the scriptures about what God says about finishing. And I want to really give you the opportunity today to really pray this morning about what might be next for you this next year. While hopefully, I mean the hope is here, I'm going to try to ground you in enough reality to accomplish the very goals you set for yourself. Right? There's nothing wrong with dealing with these things, these obstacles, or saying that there's going to be obstacles. (laughs) That's not pessimistic, Okay? You can be optimistic and still be real about what's going to take place. I'm optimistic about meeting our goals, but I also know that if we're not if we're not facing obstacles along the way, we're there's how I mean I don't know about you, but my life spirits has been there's always something in the way of success, right? That's why the old saying is what that failure stands on a mount, or, or success stands on a mountain of failure, right? I mean that's just how it works, right? But I think if we deal with some of these things, we walk through biblically. I think I can help uh, uh, you finish well, as well as hope for my, I hope that for myself. Amen. So I'm going to start us out in Ecclesiastes 7, 8. Ecclesiastes 7, 8, and then I'm going to jump into the New Testament. But we'll begin here. We'll begin here. I think I remember this one from long ago. It's something I say a lot, especially when I'm getting ready to start something or uh, uh, anytime I've thought about starting anything, I always think about this scripture. It's like a warning. It's really like a warning. Ecclesiastes 7, 8. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Father, I just pray right now that your word would become a root. That it would begin to grow, God. And from right here, new beginnings can happen. But not just beginnings, Lord. Finishings also that we'd be faithful to see it through to the end in jesus name amen so the wisdom of solomon provides our beginning right here right there are many things that get started for great reason great causes too but very few things stand the test of time this is why the latter half of this scripture deals with patience versus pride it's easy to start something it's easy There's tons of people do it all the time I have so many people come up to me that want to start this to start that start this and my thing is always the same I don't try to intimidate people But my whole thing is is where do you see yourself five ten years from now? And if you don't have that plan of what you're going to do or where you're going to be Then then don't even start it It's a waste of your time because what happens is if you fail to start it, it's going to mess with you It's going to mess with you if you don't stay with it, right? It's easy to start something. It's a whole other thing to finish it and see it through. Don't get me wrong There has to be a beginning all right, it has to be it has to start somewhere. However, what good is our beginning if it isn't seen to completion? Jesus taught on this actually, quite a bit actually. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 21 Matthew chapter 21, I'm going to be around verse 28. <clears throat> Jesus says this. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I'll go, sir. But did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For God, for John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believe him. Now listen, this story is only found in Matthew. Only. It's a story simply of comparison. There are those who started out on the wrong foot, right? The tax collectors, prostitutes, they're sinners. They started out in a bad way, right? But in the end, they ended up being on the right track, okay? On the other hand, there are those who started out on the right track, the Pharisees, the religious elite, the pastors of their day, but in the end, they kind of got off track. So one group changed, the other did not. One group believed, and the other did not. In the end... It's what they did that mattered or how they finished that mattered. You see the tax collectors and the prostitutes didn't start out great, right? But they finished great. And then the Pharisees and the religious elite started out great but didn't finish at all. Are we tracking with this? Are we, are we with me? Listen, doctrine isn't founded also through one set of scriptures. So, so it, it, it does take multiple scriptures speaking the same truth for us to create a doctrine. It is so this is this something Jesus talks about? Is frustration, is dealing with this idea something uh, that, that, that is doctrinally? I, I do believe it is. I think there's another teaching we can kind of lean on to that will help us in this. You can flip it just a few over to Luke chapter 14. And this is Jesus again talking about discipleship. In Luke chapter 14 verse 28 he says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, right, does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether he has enough to complete it. Alright? we with me? For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he lays the foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and he was not able to finish. Here, Jesus sits down to discuss the dangers of saying that you will do something and then not finish what you started by pushing you to ask yourself if you're actually even capable of finishing in the first place. I love it that Jesus applies it to Christianity. I mean, I just can't imagine. Can you imagine us asking that kind of question? I just don't see that ever in the church today. Like, hey, we want to come like, dude, man. Do you want to know, like, you need to know Jesus, but wait a minute. Do you think you could follow him all your life? Because if you can't, let's don't even say those words right now. Like, I just can't imagine a church going up to a guy saying that. Like, but Jesus does. Jesus, is like, listen, before you say yes to the very thing I'm asking you about coming in, into your heart and, and, and walking this walk of faith with me, do you even think you can finish? Because if you don't think you can finish, man, don't say yes yet. I mean, that's what Jesus does right here, he backs it up. That's, we don't think like that in evangelism. We're so happy to get one person to say yes. We're like, it was all worth it for that one soul. Uh, we just hope he finishes. It's not about how he starts. It's about how he finishes after all, right? It goes as far as saying that to start something and not finish it leaves room for the world to mock and shame you. This is why it's dangerous work to, to count converts as disciples. Just because people say yes doesn't mean they're Christians. This is where we, This is the bad part of when, we, when, when Acts 13 begins to happen and we went from being called the way to Christians. That's that, that switch happened, right? When we were the way, we were called Christians based off how we lived, how we acted. You could see the fruit in us. When it became Christians, then you could just be associated by a name. And it changed things. It changed things. It really did. I'm not sure for the better, although I knew it was meant for good. All right? Jesus is literally acknowledging here, though, the real psychological psychological damage that's done when we say we're going to start something and we fail to see it through. It's going to mess with you, right? He tells us to count the cost, to plan out the details, to focus on making it to the end and finishing. It's a big deal. Why? Because he mentions it twice now. These are two stories, two separate related events where he talks about it's better to finish something, right? It's good to start. It start. It, to finish something, there has to be a start. But it's highly important to finish it, right? That's what's important. And if we're really gonna make, uh, going to take, about, uh, uh, really gonna take away from this the importance of finishing, then we have to point out the importance of other biblical events too, right? I mean, it's not just these two paragraphs and that's it, right? But let's just look at the life of most people, right? How, what about the thief on the cross? His whole life started out awful, right? But there at the end, Jesus, man, I'm with you now. Right? And he's like, yeah, come on. Right? He finishes good. Right? What about Peter's denial? Peter's like, man, he at the end of Jesus' life, right there for the crucifixion, he's like, Man, uh uh-uh, I don't know this guy. I got nothing to do with him, right? Like it's looking really bad, but Peter finishes strong, right? I mean, when it comes down to it, he'll never deny him again. He'll die not denying. Right? What about Saul, the Christian killer? Okay, he ends up being becoming Paul, right? The greatest advocate of the church will ever know. He writes 75% of the New Testament. Remember his words to a young Timothy in 2 Timothy 4-7? I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Paul makes it a point to tell Timothy, it's about how you finish. Paul stressed this importance, right? Paul was practical and honest too. He never said it was going to be easy. Nobody's saying that, right? First of all, if you think it is, you're in the wrong place. Christianity is not easy. It's easier to be worldly, not, not Christian. It's easier not to come to church than to come to church. It's easier to do what the world <laughs> finds acceptable than what Christianity finds unacceptable. It's easier to do those things, right? Paul stressed how hard it was and said, listen, you're going to all struggle with it. Paul struggled with it. Paul in Romans 7 said this to the Romans, and it, today it's, it's still one of the best, I think the most comforting aspects of Christianity because the greatest guy that we think wrote the New Testament also struggled doing the will of God. So don't think, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, his shadow healed people and his handkerchiefs touched people and they got miracles happened. But this was also the guy who said this, for I do not understand my own actions. Praise God. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. There's frustration happening here, man. I mean, he says, now if I, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it uh, uh, to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my meaning, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive of the law of sin that dwells in my members. You know what he was saying? He's saying in my brain I know it's wrong and I can't stop my hands, my eyeballs from doing what they're doing. My brain is saying it's wrong while my body's going, but it feels right. It's <laughs> so good, right? He said, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be though to Jesus Christ our Lord. And What a paradox, right? I do what I don't want to do. I don't do the things I know I should do. This is all coming from a guy who wrote most of the New Testament. If one of the greatest apostles of the faith struggled so hard and still managed to finish while keeping the faith, I think there's hope for us all. Amen? But Paul was never alone. Well, he was in prison. He was not alone in prison. And here's the thing is, neither were we. We're not alone either. Reflecting back on the story of the marathon, right, and, and Pastor uh, Raul's, uh, his inability to finish the race, uh, let me add this, and this is a truth right here that, that if you've ever ran a race you already know, fans are always cheering at the starting point and the finishing point of a race. And here's what happens, when they're cheering in the beginning it tempts runners or uh, competitors to give too much at the start because your adrenaline's pumping, you feel good, right? And you're responding to all this cheerleading, right? But you end up using way too much energy at the very beginning. And you know what the hardest part of the race, of any race, and I've done a few, I, you know, uh, Jared's been, poor guy, he's had to carry me through a few races where we've done some uh, 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 triathlons, we've done a, a couple of bike races, uh, 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 we've, we've done, I did a Spartan with uh, Chris Northam, uh, And the hardest part of the race is the middle. You know why? Because there ain't nobody there. Nobody's cheering you on, man. Right. And in that moment, that's when your brain starts to go. You are so tired. (laughs) Do you realize how fat you are? Like you are not made for this. Your knees are going to buckle, man. I did the Spartan race uh, with Chris Northam and, uh, it was one of those things I, I was not in shape to do. I was not ready to do it, um, but I just thought the medal. and You know, you ever go to something because I just want the T-shirt, all right? It was a Spartan on the front of the T-shirt. It was a Spartan medal. Totally wanted that thing uh, just because it has Spartan helmet on it. Can't imagine how we ended up with our Spartan logo. Um, and um, I, I wanted that really bad, but I couldn't get anybody that really wanted to do it because it's just hours of misery. Like, who signs up for that stuff, right, Jared? Uh, the, uh, uh, but Chris actually had an extra ticket and was like, listen, I'll give you this one if you'll do it with me. I was like, okay, I'm in, you know? And so I go and I do this race, and I'm not going to lie, we get up there, and there it's like 10,000 people out there in Burnett. I mean, you wouldn't think that many people come to Burnett, but I'm telling you, man, that race pulls in some people. And they are doing every 15 minutes 300 in a group is going out every 15 minutes. So I'm standing there in that 300. And like, I think maybe the good thing is that I had done enough races to like, not get too crazy in the beginning, but it was really hard because they had a really good speech. They were like, you know, we will not go out into the night. And that, I mean, it was like one of those movie types. I think he had compiled like a bunch of movie speeches together and it was so good. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Like, you know, everybody, and they're like, they're like doing like Spartans, like in the movies, like, Ooh, oh, oh. I mean, like, it was like, Oh, it was pretty powerful. And they're getting ready to go. And Chris is like, dude, I'm totally going to just beast out of this thing. I'm like, I'm going to run until you can't see me anymore, and then I'm going to walk the whole way, right? Like that's I realized like if for me to make this trip with all these obstacles, I mean like every so many yards We're like you have to come up. You have to do this obstacle And if you don't do the obstacle, you have to do what they call a burpee and if you've never done a burpee It's like dying and it's like dying a lot And, and so like you you they're horrible. You don't want to do them You'd rather do the obstacle than do the burpee. That's how bad they are and so we start off and they do the big speech and they're like, "Go!" and Chris just bolts and he just leaves me. I'm like, I'm at this whole race by myself. Okay, and so I, I, you know, I'm like, okay, but I'm set on finishing. I'm not worried about a time. That guy's gonna like try to break a record, right? And that's fine. I just that's not me. I know I'm not gonna break a record. I'm way too fat for this. And. <laughs> And so we, we take off running. We get around that first quarter mile and can't nobody see us anymore. Like, okay, I'm walking now, dude. I, I, you know, you just didn't want the shame of walking in front of all these people that were running. And so like, I, I, I get around, I get there and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna finish this, right? And I'm just like knocking out the obstacles one after another. I haven't seen Chris like in 15 minutes. That dude left me, right? Until we get to this one obstacle and I see him, he's like, and I'm. It's it, he's so tall, right? And it's like the monkey bars. And the problem is when you're tall, you have to like pull your knees up right? That's hard on a tall person, man. I mean, and so like, he's struggling with that. I'm like, I go right across. I'm like, hey, I'll wait for you. You know, I mean, again, he left 15 minutes prior to me, right? And he finally does the burpees because he just can't, right? And then like, I wait on him. And literally as we come out of the next obstacle, he just leaves me. I was like, oh man, uh, I guess we're not going to be together, you know? And I literally, the race goes on for like an hour and I haven't seen him. I haven't seen anybody. But I've made every obstacle. I was like, man, I haven't had to do a burpee yet. This is gonna be this is awesome, right? And we finally get to these big, like these big cul- culverts is what they are. They've got some big ones and they got some really tiny ones. And if you go through the tiny ones, they're claustrophobic, it's a bad day for you. You know, but they got the big ones, you can go through those, do like 10 burpees. I'm like, uh, I'm not waiting in line to do these little tiny claustrophobic ones. So I go through, I'm finishing up my burpees, and out pops Chris out of the small, one of the small ones. He'd been in there the whole time I walked through there and did the burpees and everything. Somebody got claustrophobic, and he got locked up in there between two people and couldn't get out. And he'd been in there the whole time, and, he was, and I was like, well, I'll wait on you. You know, and i wait on him and everything, and then he leaves me again. <laughs> Takes off running up this hill. I'm like, not running up the hill, bro. And then by the next time I see him, I'm at the end, and everybody's doing the rope climb thing and he's waiting in line. I'm like, I'm not waiting in line. I'm about to do 20 burpees and be done with this, you know, jump across the fire. Awesome, by the way. And, um, and then that's going to be the ending. When he sees me doing the burpees, he's like, this dude's going to beat me. <laughs> and he starts shuffling out the burpees, so we run across together. <laughs> we run across together. <laughs> it was hilarious. That guy worked his butt off to get no faster than where I was going. That's crazy, right? It's not about time. Sometimes it's just about finishing. Yeah. I didn't have the heart to like, I wasn't trying to break a record. And you know what was killing him? Trying so hard to get the time. And in doing so, from running from one obstacle to the next, he was out of breath and he was tired. So that when he would try to do the obstacle, he had no strength left to do the obstacle. But because I was rested, every obstacle I came across, knocked it out just like that. Oh, 10 foot wall. No problem. I can run right up it. I'm not out of breath. I'm not tired. I'd walk right up the next obstacle, conquer it. The next one, conquer it. My whole goal was just to finish the race, to get the medal. That was it. And it frustrated him to no end because he tried so hard, so hard, and it ended up finishing the same. You know, there's a there's a lot that happens again from the beginning. There's all this cheer, and that cheer gets us to push our energy out. And we feel like, oh, if I just got I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. And sometimes we forget. Listen, what worth does all that pushing if I don't finish, right? If I don't finish, that's a, that's important, right? Let me, let me you know, let, and and let me explain why, right? So, listen, in church, I, for over four years, I've never preached attendance in churches uh, or in this fellowship that equaled to salvation in any way. I've always. Always been pretty adamant that it doesn't matter if you come to church. That doesn't dictate your salvation, right? You can worship Jesus from your house, yes. However, it's through the cheering of each other that we find the strength to finish, right? It's the truth. Listen, uh, this is what the writer of Hebrews was uh, aiming for. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. You don't have to write this thing. You don't have to go there. But l- let me tell you, you're, you'd be smart to, to take a hold of this scripture right here. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for, uh, who for the joy was set before him, enduring the cross, despised, despising the shame and is seated at the right end of the throne of God. Listen, at church or in fellowship with one another, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who help us shed the weight of sin. This in turn allows us to run the race before us, having the endurance we need to finish. This is why we need each other. Listen, you're not going to make my problem better. You know what you're going to do? You're going to help me. You're going to cheer me through my problem. You're going to encourage me as I go through things, right? Just being there. You are the cloud of witnesses that God has sent, right, to help me break out of the things I need to break out of, break through the things that I need to break through, right? The Bible is also clear that Jesus is faithful to finish what he started, too. If he began the good work, then he will finish it, right? It is in this hope that we find comfort in setbacks, right? We find comfort in struggles. We find comfort in difficulties through each other, right? These things do not define us, nor are they allowed to hold us back from finishing unless we avoid the very thing that was meant to help us, the church. This is why we need church. We need church so we can finish. Right, it's hard out there by yourself. When you're running and you're all alone and you're by yourself, this is the thing that made him not finish. Man, your brain is telling you everything. And if you have never ran, you, I'll tell you, just run. You don't even. I mean, n- nobody likes running. Anybody that likes running is messed up. Okay, <laughs> that's why only like maybe like one percent of the population are runners. Come on, let's just be honest. If there was a ton of professional runners, it'd, it'd be bigger than what it is. It's pretty big, but come on, it's really only like one percent. Okay, running is hard. It's a whole psychological beatdown, and competing in itself is a psychological beatdown. You know, to be an NFL player watching college football, like to be at those guys level, right? You know what your training regimen's got to be every day. You know how you got to eat every day. There's such an amazing amount of discipline that goes into being an athlete. It's unreal. You think they're an athlete just because they're talented? No, they're disciplined. They're disciplined in ways that few are. When their body's saying no, they just keep going. But can I tell you, there's no way they're doing that by themselves. Why do you think everybody, like as soon as they get to the camera, I want to thank my mom. I want to thank my dad. Why? Because those are the people that, there's their cloud of witnesses. They encouraged them along the way, right? I want to thank my coaches. Why? Because they encouraged them along the way. When it was hard, they held them to higher standards, right? What do you think the church is supposed to be? What do you think it's supposed to be? That's what it is. That's what it is. This is what the church is. This is what the fellowship with believers is supposed to be, a safety net for the fearful, a hospital for the sick, and a miracle for the broken, right? When we refuse to fellowship with each other, we are setting ourselves up for failure before we even begin, before we even begin. Listen, you know, again, doing some reading, I came across another book that really talks about finishing it was called Future Church, and it's a, it's a book about reaching really young adults. But one of the things they say, you can't reach young adults and ignore an older generation. And it was really good. The, the churches that were researched in this book uh, 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 were, were predominantly young, but there was this one that was featured uh, uh, called Graceland in Santa Cruz, California. Uh, uh, it's Pastor Dan Kimball. And he's trying to reach young adults, but he's also trying to value older adults as well. In one section of the book it, it describes a set of pictures hanging on Pastor Kimball's wall. And this is from the book. It says hanging on his office wall are the pictures of three elderly men placed side by side and mounted in a single frame. On the left is Stuart Allen, the 83-year-old pastor in England that gave Dan his uh, introduction into church life. In the middle is 90-year-old D- Dr. Mitchell, the founder of Multanoma, who met with Dan every week while Dan attended semina- seminary. And on the right is his 80-year-old father-in-law, Rod Clendenin. Who met with Dan every Wednesday night in, in a mentoring role when Dan first started attending uh, a church uh, the, Pastor Kimball says these are the guys who made it through their entire lives. They finished well And we need to honor people. Uh, he says this with with uh, gray hair more <laughs> He says we're, we're we're so into just promoting the young But what about the people who've walked with god their whole lives? I'm telling you, there cannot be a church that's just predominantly young. There has to be a church with believers there who know how to walk the faith walk, period. There has to be people there with experience of knowing how to walk the faith walk. What happens when that's not there is you lack the experience needed. You lack the experience needed uh, to teach others how to walk that walk, right? Because it's about finishing well. It's about finishing. In the end, this is what people remember. Can I tell you, being in the ministry brings us in like real perspective. Um, When pastors leave a church, can I tell you, nobody remembers them for their sermons. That's like pastors, they're so disappointed. You know how much work they put into sermons, right? But they're remembered for their faithfulness, their faithfulness to the call, their faithfulness to how they finished. As a person that attends a lot of funerals, I can tell you, I do. I can testify that this is true for all of us. How we finish is important. It ultimately reveals the race that we've ran and where our hope lies. I see it all the time. We, we, in a, when we go to a funeral, we, we never, we're never talking about uh, 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 things that they did bad. We're always talking about the good things. And can I tell you also, we're all, we're, it all is a big deal. Can, the most awkward moment, man, for a pastor is to go to a, a, a funeral where they know a guy didn't finish well. And you know, in that moment, you know what we try to do? We try to teach how to finish well in the middle of that try to use this as an opportunity to explain how to finish well. Man, for 2020, I will aim to accomplish many things. There, there will be many things that will be accomplished, and there are mostly likely be areas of failure. <coughs> Welcome to the truth, right? What, what's important is that we keep running, right? That we keep striving for excellence. Because I'm going to tell you, we're playing the long game. We're playing the long game. We're not about success overnight. We're about finishing strong. Finishing strong. We're preparing for a finish line where one day God will say those precious words to us, right? Acknowledging that we were good and faithful, right? To the end. To the end. So, the, I mean, the question today really is this I mean, you're you probably already asking yourself, what goals are you setting for yourself this year? What goals are you setting for yourself? And I hope you put some serious thought into it. And then I hope you pace yourself to finish. Don't start something you don't think you're going to end. Come on. There's nothing wrong with starting something. But listen, be real with yourself. Allow yourself some room for failure. Get back up and keep doing it. Right? I can tell you for 2020, I am personally seeking to dig deeper uh, spiritually than I ever had before. Man, I've said it in here, I think on a Wednesday I think I've even said on Sunday, I want to do a 40-day fast. And if I'm being honest, I am scared to death at failing at it. That's, that's just truth. I'm not exactly a skinny person. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, the difficulty in fasting food for me is unbelievable. I'm a stress eater, right? right? Some people smoke for stress, meat, mm-mm tacos right oh i'm the only person okay right but here's the thing the holy spirit is really driving me towards this and i might fail but you know what i'm trying to resolve in myself what if i fail i'm already trying to tell myself well then get back up the next day and start it over and keep doing it until you accomplish it keep trying and keep trying don't let failure be the thing that stops you get to the end of it keep trying right Forgive yourself. Jesus will. Keep trying. I'd also, uh, I'd like to finish writing. There's a few things I'd want to do. I've written some books over the years. Some are for my kids. uh, Maybe a leadership book. Kind of had a lot of things started and never really finished. And I've been wanting to finish them for years. And I feel the Holy Spirit, I think, every year tug at me on that. Why don't you finish this? Why don't you finish this? Why don't you finish this? Like, I will. Calm down. You know? Um, (laughs) And, and nobody's telling me that, but the Holy Spirit is really, right? Um, but maybe it's time, right? But here's what I do know, right? It's going to take some discipline to sit down and do the work. I might have to get up early in the mornings and just write a paragraph at a time, and maybe after a couple of years, they'll be done. But that's what it's going to take. Can I tell you, that's what all writers say. I've looked at writers like, how do they write books so fast? They don't write books so fast. Turns out they take like three or four years. They write like a paragraph a day. That's about it. Some of them write a sentence or two. They just write every day. That's what they do. They make sure they write every day, right? So I try to take comfort in those things. Well, I'm not the only person around here that's a loser in that area, right? So I've got some disciplines I've got to take after. Right? I I want to start some new physical disciplines that'll help me develop other spiritual disciplines. Man, been trying to. I've got Jared. I'm trying to get Eric. Maybe get Mark. Do some jujitsu. I keep thinking if I say it from the pulpit, it's going to happen, but it never does. (laughs) But I do think these physical disciplines are going to help me with some other spiritual disciplines I have And that's a lot of the reason why I want to do it. I think it'll help me emotionally I think it for that I could care less for fighting or anything like that, but I I I I could I could use a little emotional discipline. I could use a little physical discipline in my life Uh, Those are my personal goals as we run into next year for mosaic it's simple. I want to start a youth program, right? I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of programs, but I'm also like, and when I look back, I don't, see, I don't see, y'all have heard this all before, but I don't see youth ministry in the Bible either. But there's the family unit. It's not what it used to be in the Bible either. used to be you didn't see divorce back then. But now there's kids here that don't live with mom and dad. They live with their grandparents. There's kids here that are sleeping in their car with their mom. There's kids here that need help, right? And I just see a need for it in our community. There are so many churches too right now, spiritual leaders right now, living in gray areas of life. They are. I mean, if you didn't know, there was a day where I teamed up and I partnered with pastor after pastor after pastor. I still have the heart for that, but I don't want to lower the standards to, to partner with someone. There's a whole big spiritual reason why. You can go read about the relationship between Jehoshaphat and Ahab. Both of those guys were Jewish, but it wasn't a godly partnership. There's something to be said for when you partner with unequally yoked people. All right? And I just want to be smart about who we partner with. There's a reason we're partnering with Chick-fil-A to do leadership in here and allow them to use our facility because we are equally yoked. I'm telling you, after meeting, after meeting, spending a lot of personal time with Alan, that guy's a great guy. That organization is an unbelievably awesome organization. They got their ducks in a row and they've got godly people. I would call him a marketplace pastor. I, I don't know if you've been to Chick-fil-A, but if that guy don't know your name, he just don't know your name yet. He sits down and eats with everybody. <clears throat> great place, right? But I do believe we need to return the bar of discipleship back to its high place. I would also like to see some numerical growth in here. I believe that for the last four years, it's been extremely beneficial to what we've been doing here, growing our foundation. And we've made our foundation strong, but it's also time to build upwards, right? We've got something to build on now. It's time to build up now, right? Um, I also want to share the load and develop other leaders here to handle the teaching aspects of what we're doing, right? This isn't the Jim and Joy show. Man, don't get me wrong. We love pastoring. We love it. It's our gift. It's easy for us in that sense, right? But we also recognize that this idea of return that God has placed in me isn't built upon one person. It's built upon the body of Christ. Being what it's supposed to be and doing what it's supposed to do. I'm not supposed to be the guy who teaches everything under the sun here. There are some great teachers sitting amongst us that just need some time. There is. And so that's that's that simple thing to me. We're going to work on and on sharing that that load uh, of teaching and helping and discipling and mentoring, right? It's pretty simple. Listen, I'm, I'm going to work on it all year. I'm not, I'm not laying out a ton of these goals and we hope we hit like number 15, you know, like by the end of the year. Like that's not, no, nah, I, I, I'm just going to place a few out there. Let's do what we do and do it well, right? That it's not just something that, oh, when we hit the end of the year, it's done. No, like I don't want to start. The reason I just announced one thing to start is because I want to see it through, It can't just be good for a year. It needs to be good for as long as we're here, right? And and I'm going to work on it all all, all year long, hopefully balancing successes and failures in it all because there's going to be some failures, guys, part of it. There's going to be times where it doesn't move as fast as we want it. I can testify to that. But one thing's for sure, this one thing I know, even in this for me, God has sent me, you guys, as cheerleaders. I know that when I struggle or when I think that things are down and out, man, you guys are my cloud of witnesses, right? And I'm extremely, extremely grateful. And and, uh, man, I love all of you dearly. Uh, And my hope is that you find the same thing I do. I find hope in each other. I see Christ in you, man. Some of you guys will show up on a Wednesday and share something like, man, that's so good, dude. I'm going to take that back and chew on that for a while. And man, that's the kind of stuff that's like, you know what, man, we really have a good group, you know, and I'll see other churches and I'll listen to other pastors. And I hear about Dude, they'll, they'll have some serious struggles about things that they hate, things that they don't like, and all this stuff. And they're, they're you know, all this. And I think at times, like, dude, I just don't have that. Like, I'm, like maybe it's because my church is so small. And they're like, oh, it's because your church is so small. Or maybe because mine's more godly. Maybe that's just me being arrogant. But, like, yeah, by the way, you're all welcome because that was a good, that was a nod on you guys, right? Uh, uh, Most pastors will tell you they can't talk bad about their church around me anyway because I beat them up (laughs) You 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 are god's gift to a pastor all of you Right, there should never be a time I complain about you guys ever And you should expect that from your pastor if it's not me if it's somebody else you should expect that from them Man god's gift to a pastor is the church and and god's gift to the church is the pastor Man, that's that's a two-way street right there, man. It's not unequal. It's completely equal this 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 morning. Right. Pretty, so I, these are things I want to work on. Right. Um, and, and I do. I want to as we get to worship, I'm going to spend some time at the end and I'll play a little. But I really want us to pray. Right. Because I know one thing is I start the new year off Wednesday. Right. We'll have service that night. And uh, we're going to pray for these things specifically. And man, that's not the night to miss the night where we launch in prayer. is not the night to miss right i know that the prayer service is like the cinderella service right and, and she's unappreciated and, and, and it seems like uh, uh, we sit there and we're talking to the lord a lot and i don't know why but like the, the prayer service is always like the small service but it won't be the one to miss and the reason why because it's the one that sets us on the right foot as we begin a new year prayer is the thing that sets you on the right foot it, it is and, and when we launch, what are we going to pray for? We're going to pray for this new youth group. We're going to, we're going to pray that God's going to send us people they are going to help us do the things. We're going to pray for all the events that got to take place prior. I know that one of the things I already think about doing since we're partnered already with Chick-fil-A is I want to do a block party over here. We've got two, two city blocks over here. We could space that out, one street on, on one day, the other street on another, or I mean on one month and on another street on another month down the road, and space those things out and have a good time. You know, We know that it's going to be a block party when we hand out freaking stuff for Halloween again out here. It is every time. People came up and asked us about our church this last time. It was it was an awesome evangelistic thing. And and uh, we know that we've got some things that are always going to be there, but like also there, there's some new things that are going to take place, right? And prayer is the thing that's going to bathe all that. Uh, and we will be launching into a, a fast. And I'm not going to like hold you accountable. I'm not asking you to do a 40-day fast, okay? I'm not asking you to do that. Uh, if anything, I'm asking you to cheerlead me while I try. Um, but I would encourage you to fast. And we can talk about that more on Wednesday. But today, let's just pray. Let's, uh, let's worship and get our mind and heart right and lined up. And then let's take a few minutes to pray. Will somebody grab my wife? <clears throat> Is she okay? Good. Let's turn that AC on. Who needs the AC? Good night. Anybody else hot? Does that mean? I was starting to repent in my head. I was like, man, am I preaching fire? Is that what's going on here? I didn't think it, it didn't feel like fire. I'm like, man, people are like, oh, this dude's preaching